Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Men, praise, praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. And women, praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters from the heavens. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. So that's like actually an ancient thing that the, that the, the synagogue, the congregation has done for millennia 
And sometimes they would have the people stand and they would face each other and one side would do and the other side would do. But it was often the case where the congregation and the choir would talk back and forth to one another like we just did. So um, for those of you who are traditionalists who think we broke tradition today, actually we went back to tradition of tens of thousands of years ago. So a little fun way to address the Psalms. And um, we're starting... The primary text today is from the the book of Acts. And we're going to have to pick up because we're starting in the 11th chapter of Acts. Um, But the story really takes off from the 10th chapter of Acts. So I'll tell you about that in just a second. But here's what we have now. Now the apostles and believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles, of all things, had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to the uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, and I saw a vision, and there was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. And as I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we live. The Spirit told me, Go with them. And not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me. And we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak... The Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they had heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the story we hear today is actually Peter retelling... To the brothers in Jerusalem, what happened in chapter 10. 
Because the church, the council in Jerusalem has called Peter to them to scold him for eating with Gentiles, for being with the clean, for eating with sinners and tax collectors. Oh, wait, that was Jesus. That's another story. They're mad. Because they're good Jews. And Peter has let the Gentiles in. How dare he? And really today, I cannot state to you strongly enough how significant this is. These were people that were not allowed in the doors. These were people that were seen as unclean, profane, not worthy of worshiping the same God that the Jews worship, not worthy of being even in their presence. Remember when you were little kids and you played the cootie game and you went around, you've got cooties now, you've got cooties now. It was almost like that, like we can't be around, Ooh, we'll get what you have. And so in chapter 10, there is a man named Cornelius who is a Roman centurion. As far from a good Jew in most people's minds as one could be. But Cornelius is known for being a devout man. A man of prayer. And the text says, and this would be really interesting for us to spend some time on. His giving was so great that it was memorialized by God. That's pretty cool. I'm not quite sure what it means, but it's really cool. So here we have Cornelius, this man of prayer, this man of giving, this devout man, this man of God. A Gentile, a Roman centurion who is in prayer, and an angel appears to him. And this may be the only time in the Bible I know where the angel doesn't say, be not afraid. It says in the text something like, Cornelius tried to not fear him. (laughs) And the angel says, send your people to Peter. And Cornelius thinks to himself, you got to be kidding, angel. Why would I do that? He knows I'm unclean. He's not going to want to see me. He's not going to want to see my boys. Why would I do that? And the angel says, send your people to Peter. He, he knows you're coming. And so Cornelius sends his men to Peter. And at the same time that this is happening, Peter is having this vision of a blanket coming down from heaven and having all kinds of animals on it. And they're not kosher. Heaven forbid. And the voice is saying, take and eat, take and eat, take and eat. And Peter's saying, no way. I'm a good Jew. I don't do that stuff. Take and eat, take and eat, take and eat. I don't want to do that. And the voice says, what I have made holy Don't you think about making unholy. That's my paraphrase. Then the men, of course, come and meet Peter. And Peter goes back to Cornelius' house. 
and preaches the word of God, tells them about Jesus. And then the text says, and the spirit fell upon them. And Peter later says, like it did upon us at first, which, by the way, is a reference to Pentecost. So some people call this story the Gentile Pentecost. And Peter says, if the same spirit is upon them that is upon us, then why would we not associate with them? And who are we to say that God's spirit can't be upon all people? (laughs) Well, the council in Jerusalem was the ones who would say, no, that can't happen. We're good Jews. Stop letting the Gentiles in. What's the matter with you, man? What are we doing? But you know what's true is that the church didn't take off when it was just a sect of Judaism. It took off once Peter and Cornelius, a good Jew and a Gentile, understood that the mission of the church was so big and so broad that it was mind-blowing and... They could join together in carrying it throughout the known world. You know, Paul had this same vision, but Paul wasn't a brother of the men at Jerusalem. He wasn't the guy who could go and convince them. Peter was. There's a sermon in here somewhere about God being strategic in the vision he places before us. But the other thing I want to talk about today is this need for us to expand our vision for what we think the church should be. I love my church. I love my church. I love you. I look out, I stand up here and just look at y'all. And sometimes I'm just awed by who you are and that. You come in here and, you know, I always say the music here is fabulous and the preaching won't make you sick. I'm amazed that people will stand here, sit here and listen to me preach. I love my church, but when I look out, with all due respect... My friends look an awful lot like me. We're very white. We're very smart, educated. We're very middle class. We're very straight. We're very, I don't know, fill in the, fill in the blank. People listening to us aren't those things, we don't think. Although we're not entirely sure who you all are. We do know there's about a thousand of you, and as I always say, if we had a thousand extra people sitting in this sanctuary on Sunday morning, you'd start to take notice of that.
There's nothing wrong with who we are as a church, by the way. But what if our vision expanded beyond who we are to what God would have us be? I bet it would blow our minds. Things we never thought were possible. Peter never thought he'd enter the home of a Gentile. It was unheard of. It was unfathomable. Think about all the people you know who you think might never set foot in this place. Some of them may very well just be waiting for an invitation. Some of them may be worried that the Jerusalem council will come after them. That is the good people of the church, by the way. But the vision that God provides is so much greater so much bigger, so much more vast than anything we can ever imagine, why would we not want to grab hold of it and run? I'm inviting you to pray and think and be about opening your minds and your hearts to a vision greater than you have ever imagined. Because as Peter and Cornelius show us, that is what God has always intended for God's church. Thanks be to God. Amen.